Masachet Yavamot Kof Yod Gimel. We've been discussing uh, distinctions of why the rabbis made an institution of rabbinic marriage for a ketana and for a deaf uh, deaf people. Uh, so there is a rabbinic marriage for them, but for a katan and shoteh, they did not. There is no concept, not even on a rabbinic uh, level, is their marriage. So we talk. We ended up uh, talking about that, and now we're going to continue and talk about a few other. Uh, the distinctions between Katan and uh, minor and deaf people regarding regarding related laws. So we ask, If a Ketana, Yibat Yisrael, is married to a Kohen, she can eat Teruma. Um, even though this marriage is only midrabanan, nevertheless she can't eat tiruma. Could be she can only eat tiruma midrabanan. Uh, but whatever it is, we do recognize the marriage for that purpose. Uh, whereas for a chereshet, a deaf woman who uh, uh, bat Israel, who is married to a kohen, she cannot eat tiruma, not on any level, even though they they do have a rabbinic marriage. What's the difference? Ditnan. Now, how do we even know that this is, in fact, the law? Well, we know it from the following Mishnah in Masechet Gitin. We quoted the first half already regarding Cheresh. Uh, it's also in Eduyot. Uh, regarding a uh, deaf um, uh, woman whose father, girl, whose father married her off, uh, so therefore the marriage is, she's a minor and a deaf, but nevertheless her marriage is biblical because her father married her off, and she can receive a get um, and go free. So we talked about yesterday. Um, but, and the second thing he said that we didn't uh, mention yesterday is that uh, Ketana, Bat Yisrael, a minor who's Bat Yisrael, she cannot eat teruma in her father's house, but if she marries a Kohen, she can eat teruma. So you see, it does apply to a Ketana. Now, that's the end of Rabbi Yochanan's statement. But, Vidu Chereshet, Lo Achla, but curious that he started talking about Chereshet and then continued talking about Ketana. If the law was that a Chereshet also married to a Bat Kohen can eat teruma, then he should have continued with the same case as Chereshet or mentioned both of them. But in fact, it leaves out Chereshet in the second law. It means that a Chereshet cannot eat teruma. So why? What's the, why can, uh, how come a uh, deaf uh, woman not eat teruma if she's married to a bat kohen? And the answer is, Gizer Hashem Yachil Cheresh Becheresheit. This is not going to make perfect sense just yet because we're going to revise it. But right now we're understanding it to mean that we have a Gizera because maybe if they're both deaf, he is deaf and she is deaf, then, and he's a bat kohen, then she will eat. So now we wonder, well, what's wrong with that? Um, katan ochel nebelo too. The chereshet is like a katan. What they have in common is that they are not of, don't have full mental capability, and therefore, just like a katan, if a my if a minor wants to go eat uh, nebela unkosher meat, uh, we don't have to stop them. We don't feed it to them, but we don't have to stop them because they are not liable in the commandments. And chereshet is the same thing. She's not liable, uh, so therefore, if she's going to eat the teruma, okay, so. Uh, so what? Why would you have to make a gezera about such a case? So that can't be the reason. Rather, modify what the, what we just said. Gezera shemayachil cheresh bepikachat. We are worried about he. Uh, so when she is the uh, deaf person, we don't allow her 
and married to a bat kohen, we do, we do not allow her to eat tudumah because it may be confused with a case where she is competent and he is the bat, the kohen is deaf. Okay. Wait a second. In that case, why uh, why not allow them to eat tiruma midrabanan since they are married midrabanan? We understand the oraita since their marriage is not the oraita and she is a pikachat, so she is responsible for mitzvot, and the marriage is not a full marriage, so we can't allow her to eat the oraita tiruma, and so we make a gezerah of this case. Uh, which looks like the previous case. Fine. But why not at least allow them to eat tirumami de rabbanan? And the answer is gezera dilma deoraita. Because if you allow them to eat tirumami de rabbanan, then they're going to come to also eat tirumami de oraita because they're going to get confused between the two. All right, fine. Okay, so that's uh, regarding eating tirumami. Next is about a ketuba. Right, you have to pay a ketubah uh, in these cases. What's the difference between marriage of a minor where she does have a right to a ketubah, an obligation that he has to pay her a ketubah, whereas if a man marries a deaf woman, he is not obligated to write a ketubah to pay a ketubah. The reason is because um, if we require, as like we usually do, the rabbis say, you can't have any marriage. No one's allowed to get Jewishly married without writing a ketubah first. Uh, and they can't remain married if they lose their ketubah. Yes, that's true. But if we require a, a ketubah for a deaf person, then we uh, men would refrain from marrying her at all. It's difficult to uh, uh, to marry someone with a disability. And therefore, she may not have so many suitors, uh, and then they're going to have to pay also. So you know what the rabbis make a dispensation. It says, listen, um, if someone marries the, the deaf person, he does not have to pay a ketubah. And then people will be more likely to take her, take care of her. Uktana minelandi itla ketubah. Now, a minor, uh, how do you know that she does have a ketubah? Oh, so this, uh, this reasoning would not apply to a minor, even though a minor, no one wants to be married to a child, uh, also not mentally uh, uh, fully capable. But the point is that the child will grow up. So therefore, uh, people will want to marry a minor because uh, the prospect that they will grow up and grow out of their being children. Okay, now how do we know what's the source that a minor girl does deserve a ketubah? Uh, the following three, if a minor girl refuses her husband, she does not get a ketubah because she's the one that wanted out. Why should the man says, why should I have to pay? I want to remain married. She wanted out. Uh, so he doesn't have to pay. Also, if they are related to each other, uh, if they're related to each other directly, like brother and sister, then their marriage is not a marriage at all. So there's no, there's no, there's no ketubah, there's no get, there's no nothing. Their, their marriage is not valid. But if it's a secondary relationship that's prohibited only midoraita, uh, like a grandmother, then that marriage um, is valid on a biblical level, uh, does work, but is prohibited on a rabbinic level, and uh, therefore we force them. They said, you can't live together, you got you got to separate, and don't pay the ketubah, no, no need to pay. And also, Ailonit, someone, a woman who turns out to be unable to bear children, 
does not develop normally. Also, uh, this is mekach uh, ta'ut, and he doesn't have to pay the ketubah. So that's what we learned that these three do not pay ketubah. However, any other woman um, who leave with a get if the man divorces her, including a minor uktana. So, well, if a man is married to a minor, if she refuses, he doesn't pay ketubah. But if he decides, you know what, I don't, I don't like her anymore. I, I give, I'm going to give her a get. If the man says that, then yes, he can give a get, but then he does have to pay a ketubah. So this is the source where we see in the Mishnah in Baba Metziah that a minor girl does receive a ketubah. Next. And where is the source that a deaf woman does not receive a ketubah? From here, the law of a ketubah applies both ways. If the, the deaf man doesn't have to pay a ketubah, and someone married to a deaf woman also does not have to pay a ketubah. So here, we, here we're focusing on the man, cheresh, um, a deaf man, and, a, and a, a, a person who's not mentally competent man, and they marry competent, a competent woman. Um, even if he becomes hearing, he gets his hearing, uh, or the one who is not mentally competent becomes competent, Nevertheless, they do not have to pay the ketubah, right? Um, they, no, even if they wrote a ketubah, the ketubah does not, uh, does not apply. If they want to remain married, then yes, then they will have a ketubah from that point forward. But from that point forward means they don't get the ketubah of a bitulah. Bitulah is 200 zoos. Someone who is already previously married only gets 100 zoos. So in this case, he will have to pay ketubah going forward, but only the 100 zoos not the 200 zoos as uh, if, as if they were already as if they would uh, he would have to pay um, if he owed the ketubah to begin with so there you see that he does not pay a ketubah a deaf person deaf man and the other way around a competent man who married a deaf woman or a mentally incapacitated woman if he writes even if he writes a hundred money i'm going to give her uh, this money in that case it's valid because if he wants to harm his own property in other words if a man wants to give away property for whatever reason even though he doesn't have to so it it is valid and he's a pikeach so he has a right to decide to give something but the point is that he's not obligated to you see it's only because he wants to i i feel like i want to give her a a, a payment Fine, he can. But if he doesn't want to, then she doesn't get it automatically like a normal marriage would. And the reason is, as mentioned before, because then men would refrain from marrying her. So we want to encourage more suitors to come and, uh, and marry a deaf woman or a woman who is not uh, sane so that they will have uh, they will be able to to be married. Okay. Hold on. If that's true, then this should apply the other way around, where a a, a competent woman who's married to a deaf man 
maybe we should say he has to pay a ketubah so that the people will not, the woman will not refrain from marrying the men, right? If the whole point is that people need a little extra financial incentive in order to um, uh, marry someone with this kind of disability, so fine, uh, just like you give a man extra incentive by not having to pay a ketubah if he marries a deaf woman, so the opposite would be if the man is deaf, then we should make him pay, make him pay extra. So that will encourage women to want to marry them. And the answer is, uh, that um, more than a man wants to marry, a woman wants to marry. Women want to be married more than what men want to marry. Uh, man is not uh, so, uh, uh, men also want to get married, but um, they're, they're, they, they can stay single and uh, they could whatever, get a job and they could be okay. And so the man will figure it out. And so he's not as needful. And therefore we um, are, care more about making sure that the woman gets married than the man. Okay. If anyone thinks that this statement we just read is in any way uh, uh, in, in, insensitive or inaccurate, I would uh, direct you to read any of Jane Austen's novels. Um, this uh, is practically a quote from the opening of Pride and Prejudice. So this um, definitely was the reality in Talmudic times and also um, up until a couple, a couple of hundred years ago. All right, next story. There was a deaf man who lived in the neighborhood of Rav Malkiyu. An uh, introduction to the story is that a deaf person uh, may not be competent enough to arrange his own financial affairs, and therefore uh, the betin or um, a, a surrogate would um, arrange for them, including spending the deaf person's money on behalf of the deaf person, like if they need to hire an aide or something. So here's the case. Got um, a woman and arranged a marriage for the deaf man, and Marav Malkiyu wrote on behalf of the deaf, of deaf husband 400 zoos, which is double a contract for a betula, a lot of money. Uh, said, what a great wise sage this Rab Malkiu is. Uh, why? I mean, at first glance, it looks like he's wasting the deaf man's money. But no. He figured as follows. If the deaf man wanted to, to hire a maidservant or, uh, um, uh, to attend to him, would he not acquire a maid servant and would it not be appropriate to spend his money on a maidservant? It would be. And so here he's receiving not only a maidservant but also a wife, a double good. So therefore she deserves double uh, double that. Okay, this maybe is a little insensitive uh, in <laughs> describing his wife as being including a house, housekeeper included. Uh, but anyway, he did a good deed. So we will remember him for good. Amar Rav Chia Bar Asher Amar Shemuel Eshet Chadesh and Chayvin Aleha Asham Talui Shemuel made the following statement that Eshet uh, Chadesh, if a wife of a deaf person uh, is uh, um, is not faithful. Um, she so now since her marriage to the Chadesh is in doubt. 
um, you might think that she would have to bring an Asham Talui. Asham Talui is a special kind of guilt of sin offering that uh, guilt offering that one brings when he's not sure if he made a sin or not. A sin that if he did it would be Chayav Karet. The classic case that we're going to see in a minute is if so there's two pieces of meat and he eats one thinking it's a kosher piece of meat but then it turns out someone says wait there was a non-kosher meat piece of meat there and he's not sure which one he ate the kosher one or the non-kosher one one's chelev and one's kosher fat and so since he definitely didn't act but he's not sure if he had the kosher one or non-kosher one so he can't bring a definite chatat uh, because maybe he didn't do anything at all, and uh, you can't bring a chatat unless you know that you sinned. Uh, so he brings an asham talui that will suspend his guilt until such time should he ever figure out which one it actually was. Now, so if uh, this woman married to a deaf man since are we not sure uh, if he is uh, competent enough to make a marriage or not, we may think that she would have to bring a asham talui. She says no. She does not have to bring an Hashem Talui, um, uh, or n- neither does the man who is with her, because uh, we do not consider the Cheresh's marriage to be a marriage at all. It's not even a doubtful marriage, and therefore uh, there is no biblical violation at all, no Hashem uh, Talui. Okay, so that's what Shemuel said, which means, according to that, deaf person is really considered not competent. We can bring the following Mishnah from Masechet Tirumot, the very first Mishnah, to support Shemuel, because it says the following five people, they cannot bring Tirumah. And if they did it, did it even with the Avad, their Tirumah is not considered anything. It's just regular food. Here you go, because you have to have a mental, mental capacity in order to separate Tirumah. Cheresh doesn't have, and therefore his act is worth zero. So you see that this supports Shemuel, who also said here that marriage of a Cheresh is worth zero. Includes also Shoteh, Katan, Torem Echeno Shelo, if I go to someone else's field and I take Teruma for them without their permission, so that's nothing. Israel, Afil Israel, or a non-Jew that takes Teruma from a Jew, even with his uh, um, permission, that has to be done by a Jew, either by the owner or someone with permission of the owner, all these, and Teruma to Teruma. So there you go, we have a Mishnah that supports Shemuel, both agreeing that the action of a Deaf person is invalid completely. But then we say, wait a second, maybe not. Who Maybe Shemuel does think that an um, uh, act of a deaf person is worth something. And the reason why you don't bring an Asham Talui is a different reason. Maybe because an Asham Talui has another requirement, as we're going to see. So maybe Shemal agrees with Rabbi Elazar, the Tanya and the following Braita, Rabbi Tzakom and Mishum Rabbi Elazar. Tirumat Cheresh Lotese Lechulin Mipneshehu Safek. If a deaf person takes Tirumah, you cannot just add it, make it Chulin, because it's doubtful. It's not for sure Tirumah, because it's he's a deaf person and he's not doesn't have full capacity. But maybe he does. We're not sure what the status of a deaf person is. He may have be competent. He may not be competent. So you see, according to Biel Azad, it's a safek. And so now we say, well, Wait a second. If he does think Shmuel does agree with Biel Azad, then he should require an Asham Talui because safek maybe just like his Tiruma 
maybe his marriage is a marriage and if she is not faithful then um the the, the adulterer will have to bring in a nasham talui no he wouldn't because maybe shemuel thinks that you only bring in Hashem talui in a specific case where there are two pieces of meat and you eat one you're just not sure which one you ate that's a case where there's two options and you don't know which option you took but if someone did one act but he's not, not sure about the definition of the item uh, which is different here. So when there's two pieces, I know one is for sure kosher, one is for sure not kosher. I just don't know, know which one I ate. Whereas uh, in this case, uh, for sure, there was a marriage with a cheresh. Uh That's true. We're just not sure what is the status of a cheresh. Can he make a marriage or can he not make a marriage? It's not two different people that we're not, we're not sure who she married, right? That would be a case of, uh, we've had cases like that where um, a woman is with a man, she doesn't know which one, it, which one, it, uh, which man it was, right? So here, because it's one item and we're just not sure of the status, therefore no Asham Talui. So the point is that just because Shemuel says there's no Asham Talui, we don't know why. It's not necessarily because he thinks the action of a Cheresh is worth zero. Maybe Shemuel said there's no Asham Talui because it's a Safek case of one item, definition of one item, and it doesn't have, there's no two people here or two possible actions. Uh, maybe that's the reason. Okay. Hold on. If Shemuel agrees with Rabbi Al-Azhar, who says that the action of a Cheresh is in doubt, it's not absolute zero, it could be something. Uh, well, so then if Shemuel follows Rabbi Al-Azhar, then we have a problem because Rabbi Al-Azhar does not require uh, to, there to be two different options to bring in Hashem Talui. Even if it's a one safek item, Rabbi Al-Azhar requires it. Rabbi Al-Azhar thinks that someone eats the fat of a koi animal. This is an animal that we're not sure if it's considered a behemah or haya, and therefore there are certain sections of fat which would be permitted if it was a haya but prohibited if it was a behemah, he eats one of these, uh, a piece, this piece. So this is one piece, right? We know that, we know which piece he ate, but we're just not sure about that one piece, what his definition is. And yet Rabbi Al-Azhar said, he is required to bring in Hashem Talui. So uh, if Shemuel agreed with Rabbi Al-Azhar, then yes, he would say that a deaf person has a doubtful status and could be competent, but, um, he would also have to say that we, he would bring in Hashem Talui because if he follows Rabbi Al-Azhar, then it's, Hashem Talui is not limited to the two pieces. Even with one piece, he would be. So um, according to that, Shemuel would have to bring and Hashem Talui. And Shemuel said, no Hashem Talui. So he can't be that he's following Rabbi Al-Azhar. And the answer is Shemuel Sabar, ki Rabbi Al-Azhar behada, ufalek ala behada. No, it could be that Shemuel agrees with Rabbi Al-Azhar in one uh, uh, statement, which is that a, kata, a, shot, a deaf person does have some competence, as a doubtful, right? He has a 50% chance of being competent. Um, he agrees with Rabbi Al-Azhar on that, but he does not agree with the, this statement, and he thinks that in order to bring in Hashem Talui, you need to have two pieces and not one, and so therefore there is no proof that Shemuel agrees with the Mishnah uh, regarding Tirumot, that a deaf person has zero competence. That's all one version 
of the uh, discussion regarding Shemuel. Here's a second version that's short. This is the opposite. According to this version, Shemuel says that if someone has relations with the wife of a deaf person, he is, obliga- is obligated to bring an Asham Talui. Now we ask a question, We have a challenge to that. Why should he bring an Asham Talui? Uh, after all, he's married to a deaf person, and we see regarding Terumah that the action of a deaf person is worth zero. Right? It has zero capacity. Uh, and so there too, his marriage should not be considered anything and should have no repercussions. And the answer, maybe he agrees with Rabbi Al-Azad, who says that a deaf person who takes Tirumah has doubtful status. And so too, his marriage would have doubtful status and that would result in the adulterer having to bring, unwitting adulterer, because that's why he brings, brings a korban, he didn't do it on purpose, uh, would bring an Asham Talui. Good, that's the second version. All right, next question. Ba'ad av Asheh. Ma'i tamad rabi el-azad. Mifshat peshita le techeresh data kelishtahu. Umihu mesapekale i data siluta. Ilav data siluta. Ulolam hadadatahu. That's all one side. Okay. What is the reasoning of the Biel Azad? What kind of doubt is this? Is it, does he say, yeah, for sure that a, a deaf person has a weaker uh, mind capability? Um, and he's just not sure uh, if he has sufficient clarity of mind or he doesn't have sufficient clarity of mind. But the point is that it's always the same. Right. And the, according to this option, a deaf person is consistent. He always has the same level. And we know it's less than normal person, but it does have some clarity. Is that clarity past the threshold of being able to enact a marriage or, or um, a tiruma, or is it beneath the capacity? But it's always the same. We're just not sure where it falls. Does it pass the threshold or not? That's all one option, meaning it's uh, consistent. Or maybe the Azar knows that a deaf person, uh, most of the time, he has a weakened mental capacity and it's unclear. Uh, it's, it's not clear enough to enact a, a transaction. But uh, nevertheless, here, the reason why he has a doubt is because sometimes a deaf person may have competence, right? Something that he understands, uh, maybe because, you know, he sees it or understands something. And so maybe sometimes he can understand some, something. Uh, and sometimes he is, uh, is, is like an insane person. Um, again, remember that, you know, this is kind of hinting to the fact that um, uh, they saw that deaf people sometimes are intelligent. They just didn't know how to communicate and educate them. Okay, so that the question is, uh, according to the Azad, who says that a deaf person's actions are have doubtful legal status, is it, what's the doubt? Is it that the, um, the deaf person is consistent? We just don't know if that level, a consistent level of imperfect co- competence is sufficient or not. Or is it that the deaf person is a uh, uh, waivers, and sometimes he is very low capacity, for sure less, but sometimes he has high capacity and for sure good, and so it's a different type of doubt. 
All right, so which one is it? Uh, so we ask, well, what's the difference? The difference would be if a deaf person enters into a marriage, could he give a get to exit? If you say it's, it's consistent, then he can give a get because however he got in, so too he gets out. If he had enough mental capacity to make a good kiddushin, then he'll have enough mental capacity to do a good get. And if not, then not. But either way, it's consistent. But if he's not consistent in his mental capacity, then then it could be that when he made kiddushin, he was, he was good mental capacity, so he has a powerful kiddushin, but when it comes to then kiddushin, when he comes to give the get, then he has insufficient mental capacity. And there's no way to tell, so therefore he cannot give a get. My take all, and the answer is we leave this question standing. All right, next part of the Mishnah says Nishtatet. The Mishnah mentioned that a um, woman who becomes deaf cannot be divorced. He cannot divorce her. And so the question was why. Um, we saw that a woman who is deaf can receive a divorce uh, because divorce can be given against her will. So uh, if she's um, not sane, then also why cannot, how come she cannot be given a get? So that's what we're going to explain. Amar Bitzchak, Devar Torah. Shota mitgadeshet. So Rabbi Yitzchak says, according to Torah law, uh, a, a woman who is not mentally competent can can be divorced. A man can give her a get. It's the same as a woman who's competent who does not want to uh, get out of the marriage and she can be given a get against her will. So since um, it can be given against her will, her will is not necessary. Her mental competence is not necessary. So therefore, why did the rabbis come and say that a man is not permitted to divorce his shota uh, wife? So that other people, other men, will not come and uh, abuse her uh, without a husband to protect her. Um, she will be uh, just uh, subject to the whims of other men. And so therefore, to protect her, uh, the rabbis say that a man cannot divorce her. Okay, hechidame. Now, what exactly are we talking about? What are, what are the circumstances? If you're talking about a woman who is, has sufficient mental capacity that she can hold on to her get, give her a get, she, she knows that this is something important that she will will watch, and she also knows how to guard her own her own self. And you know, if someone tries to uh, uh, to uh, uh, abuse her, she will be able to say uh, no. Um, so then, will people treat her uh, as ownerless property? She she knows how to maintain boundaries against uh, oncomers. So if so, uh, then then if so, then people will not mistreat her. So we don't have to worry. Rather, must be she has very low capacity, and she does not know how to guard her bill of divorce, and she just, uh, you know, she's she's uh, so incapacitated uh, that uh, she she just thinks it's a paper plane and throws it out, um, and she also does not know how to guard her own body. If so, would you say about her that in Doraita law she can uh, be divorced? We have a, a statement 
from the Bianai, Derasha, uh, that says he has to give the bill of divorce into her hand, which means it's only a valid bill of divorce if she has a hand um, to receive it. That excludes someone who does not have a hand. We're not talking about having physically a hand, or that, that itself, you know, or you could get around because you just throw it into her domain or something. But the point is, she has to have capacity to accept it and hold on to it and know that she has received something um, and, uh, and be able to guard it. Uh, so if she cannot do that, then the get is nothing. It would be like a man taking a get and just you know, throwing it uh, up into the air. It doesn't uh, serve anything. So that can't be the case because then the Torah law would not be that they are divorced. So, a similar law that you can only divorce a woman who, once he does, he divorces her, she will stay away. But a woman who is so mentally incapacitated, she forgets one minute later that about the divorce and she comes home anyway. She keeps coming home. So then there's no divorce there. Um, uh, she has no, uh, you know, no embarrassment to come back uh, to where she's not wanted. So similar, sim- similarly, similar, um, such a low-level mental capacity would not be able to divorce even on a biblical level. So that can't be the case either. So rather, rather might be, must be talking about an in-between case where she has enough mental capacity that she can hold on to her get and say, no, this is something important, but she doesn't have enough mental capacity to guard her own body, and therefore uh, she may be abused by others. So from a biblical law, she can hold on to her get, and therefore she can be divorced. But the rabbis came and said, yeah, if you divorce her, she can hold on to the divorce, but then she's going to be wandering the streets and people will abuse her and she won't know to uh, to guard herself. And therefore, uh, sorry, you, you married her and uh, now it's your responsibility to remain married and protect her. Nabea says, you know what, in the Mishnah itself, there's a hint that this is in fact the case because regarding uh, a woman, um, where if she become became incapacitated, uh, the Mishnah just says lo yosi, he cannot divorce her, it's in a simple language. But regarding uh, him, uh, if he becomes the man becomes men, uh, shote, mentally incapacitated, then he cannot give a get because you, you, a man needs that needs mental capacity in order to give a get. But for him, it says lo yosi olamit, he can never divorce her. So. So why does it say never divorce regarding him? Regarding when she becomes a shota, it doesn't say forever. What you see is the olamit, the added emphasis, is when he becomes a shote, then he cannot possibly, even on a doraita level, give a get because he doesn't have that capacity to make that kind of transaction. And that's true forever, or at least as long as he is remains a shote. Whereas for her, it uses less strong language because it's only to the banam. Don't do it. We don't want to, the rabbis don't want you to do it. Uh, even though midoraita, it is uh, possible to do. So you see that there's a distinction embedded within the language of the Mishnah hinting to the Deoraita de Rabbanan distinction.
Next, Amar Biochanan ben Nuri. So this relates to the conversation that they had in the Mishnah. Let's remind ourselves of what it was, right? So remember, the law is that a man uh, cannot give a get. Uh, a shoteh man cannot give a get, but a shota woman can receive a get. Um, and uh, that was the opinion of Tanakama. Rabbi Yochanan ben Uri said, why do you make a distinction, right? Why do you say uh, that a woman who became deaf, um, uh, can, same thing with, with deaf or, or shota. Um, uh, so rather, let's talk about, de- not, not shota, shota we just said, she uh, cannot be divorced uh, to protect her. But back to deaf, a deaf man cannot give a get, but a deaf woman can be forced to receive a get. And Biochanan said, how come a woman who became deaf, she does receive a get, but a man does not give a get, right? What's the difference between them? And now we're not sure, Biochanan, does he want both of them to be more like the man or more like the woman? Uh, we're going to clarify that. But anyway, they told him, oh, no, it's not the same. A man who, uh, because... Uh, because a woman can be forced to be given a get, and therefore she doesn't need mental capacity. Whereas a man, since he has to be willing to give a get, and it cannot be forced upon him, therefore he has to have will, he has to have mental capacity. And so there's a fundamental difference between them. And then the rabbis furthermore bring a proof from Rabbi Yochad ben Gudgoda that since a chereshet, a woman who, a minor woman, whose father marries her off on a biblical level, it says she can receive a get, nevertheless, even though she is a chereshet. Even if she grows up and becomes an adult, she still can receive a get. So you see that even a biblical marriage uh, can uh, be uh, be separated through a get, even though she is deaf. So you see that a woman can, uh, a deaf woman can receive a get. Um, they they say so. The rabbi said, the cases are the same um, uh, as this. Right, a woman who was uh, mentally competent and became deaf is the same as a, a woman who was a minor and deaf, whose father married her off to and then grew up and received a get, and that's the proof. Okay, so now we're going to analyze this. Oh, what's his question exactly? What's his challenge to the rabbis? Does he know, uh, agree that a man who is deaf cannot give a get, and he agrees, but he's saying, wait, why? How come a woman should be different? Oh, I think a woman also should not be able to receive a get. Uh, or that is, is that he's being you know, stringent on both. Or maybe he agrees that a woman can receive, a deaf woman can receive a get. says, why should there be distinction? If a woman can receive a get, then a deaf man should also be able to give a get. And maybe he wants to be lenient on both accounts. Well, let's analyze from the response that the rabbis give to him what his question was. Since the rabbis formulate their response as, oh, a man who wants to give a get is not the same as a woman who wants to receive a get. Because a woman goes uh, with her will or against her will, and a man cannot uh, be forced to give a get except with his will. So So you see that they are assuming that the woman is the correct law. Uh, everyone assumes that, yes, she can be forced to receive a get. And the challenge was regarding the man. 
right? That's why they answer, uh, focus, the answer focuses on the man. That's what they mentioned first here. And so they answer, no, the man is different. So that means Bilchanan thought uh, the, the second one, that uh, Isha, yes, for sure, and they and Rabbi uh, Yochanan Ben-Nuri wanted the, both to be lenient, be able to give a get and receive a get. But then we say, hold on, Adraba, midekamru leh, no, but look at the second response that they, the second proof that the rabbis give um, after the after this section, after they quote Rabbi Yochanan ben Goda, and then they say Afzo This woman is also like that. It means that the question that he asked was about the woman. That's why they had to bring a proof. No, see, this woman, she is forced to receive a get. So too, the woman who becomes deaf also is forced. That means in the question period, uh, he assumed that, of course, the man cannot give, but Rabbi Yochan ben thought that the woman should be the same and both should be machmir, which is the first option. So now we have a quandary because the two parts of the response of the rabbis uh, assume two different things. So what do we do? Rather, it must be that he formulated, formulated a statement to, to say, according to you, uh, sages. He it really wasn't his own uh, opinion, but rather according to them. I think what Rabbi Yochanan himself really thinks is that just like a man cannot give a get, so to a woman cannot receive a get. That's really what he thought. Um, and that would make sense with the final response that the rabbis give when they tell him, So that's what he really thought. But the first uh, question here that uh, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri formulates, when he said this question, he was actually saying it according to the rabbis. According to your opinion, What is the difference between a woman and a man? Uh, why should the, the woman be able to receive and the man not, uh, why should we be able to receive and the man not be able to give? And for that, so he says, no, we think the man is different because it has to be according to his will. So that's why they answered in that way uh, to respond to his challenge, which was according to them. Uh, but really, uh, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri himself thought that um, um, man and woman, both machmir, a man cannot give and a woman also cannot receive a get who is deaf. All right, and then we get to the next section of the Mishnah. Ha'id Rabbi Yochanan ben Gudgoda. He said that a father who marries off a minor who is deaf makes a deoraita marriage, and even so, uh, she can receive a get. Amar Rava ben Amar le'edim. So Rava says, based on what he just his law, I can derive another law. A surprising one. If someone comes and says to witnesses, he's going to divorce his wife, and he tells the witnesses, you need witnesses to divorce a wife, he says, look at this get, I'm going to go give it to my wife. Okay, You're going to be the witnesses. Fine, they agree. But when it comes to his wife, he says, here, take this promissory, promissory note. Take this note that I owe you money. Um, she accepts it and she didn't read it she thinks that it's a promissory note she's like oh fine oh yeah you owe me money great I'll accept it um, so she doesn't know it's a get so she accepts it thinking it's a promissory note nevertheless it's valid 
Now, what's, what does this have to do with the other? The point is that even though, just like Rabbi Yochanan ben Gudgeda said, that a deaf woman, she is married fully because her father married her off, yet she can receive a get even though she is not mentally, has no mental capacity or diminished mental capacity, and yet she can receive a get. So, but ask her, what is this? She won't be able to tell you. Uh, so too, a mentally competent woman who he tricks and he says, uh, it's clear that the man knows it's a get. He told the Adim that it's a get, so the, the, the witnesses know what it is. And he just tricked her. She has no idea what she received. Nevertheless, it can be against her will, even without her knowledge. It is a good get. That's the, that's the comparison. Right, see, the Bechem says, we don't need her, her knowledge. And here, so we don't have her knowledge, but it's still valid. So now the Gemara says, Peshita of Rava, of course it would be. Why, why would you think not? Now here's, here's why you wouldn't think so. Here's why Rava has a chidush at all. You might think when the husband says, here, take this promissory note, maybe he is actually nullifying the bill of divorce. Maybe in his own mind, you know, he changed his mind. He told the witnesses, here, I'm going to give her a get. When he came to actually give her a get, he got cold feet. He changed his mind. You know what? Maybe I like her. So, but he already has it in his hand. He's giving it to her. So he says, you know what? Consider this a promissory note. And by that, he, uh, in his mind, canceled the get. So you might think that. So Ravah comes to teach us that if he wanted to cancel, he would cancel. He would have told the witnesses, oh, listen, I have this get, but I changed my mind. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to give it to her. He would have told them. If he didn't, since he didn't tell the Adim, in fact, the opposite. He told the Adim, this is a get. So that means he did not cancel it. And why did he tell her that this is a promissory note? It's only because he felt ashamed to tell her in front of her face, here, I'm divorcing you, get out of here. And so I said, uh, a promissory note, he wanted to uh, save face. And so that's why I told that, but he really meant it all along. And so we can learn that that is in fact the, 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 that is in fact the case. Okay, uh, this adds to another uh, example of using trickery, um, as we saw before, that sometimes uh, uh, the, the rabbis will allow someone to say, here, do chalitza, and by that you will marry her. And then he does, and chalitza says, oh, we just tricked you. Chalitza doesn't make you marry her. Now she's, uh, now she's prohibited to you forever. So this would be um, uh, yet, uh, yet another case of uh, saying one thing and meaning another, and yet it is, in fact, still valid. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.